The effort was better. The result was the same. The Canucks fall 4-3 in Tampa Bay. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. I'm Jeff. Blake is here as well. And you can't fault the Canucks for trying. Uh, in Philadelphia, they just didn't have it the other night, Blake. Uh, they were better. They did have a lead at one point in the second period. Unfortunately for them, they started to chase the game in the late stages of the second. Tampa got out in front. Nikita Kucherov, probably heard of him. Uh, Canucks might have wanted to do a little bit better job containing him because ultimately he strikes twice, including the winner on a third period power play. And again, a frantic push at the end that wasn't there against the Flyers on Tuesday, but ultimately the Canucks come up short in a 4-3 loss in Tampa Bay. It was uh, better certainly than what we saw in Philadelphia. You want the Canucks to be a little bit more competitive with shots on goal, of course. Being out on the road, it can sometimes be an issue. But late in this game, it took the score effects to get the Canucks back on the shot clock battle. And ultimately, that brought them back closer on the scoreboard as well. But it was too little too late. And I think the the Tampa Bay Lightning might have known exactly what it takes to win this hockey game. So that's a savvy group of bolts that uh, took care of the Canucks at home. And that 2-0 start is now officially erased, Jeff Patterson. This is a 2-2 two and two hockey club. Yeah, two and two on the season now, one and two, three games through this five-game road trip into South Florida against the Panthers on Saturday, and they'll wrap things up in Nashville next Tuesday. And you're right, uh, the cast of characters has changed, but that central core in Tampa has not. Stamkos, Kucherov, Victor Hedman, uh, there are a few others that have been around for the Stanley Cups as well. And I thought, for the most part, the final five minutes, in fact, I put it down in my notes, pretty mature performance from the Bolts as I thought they were going to be able just to grind the clock down to zero. But again, give the Vancouver Canucks credit. Uh, They get the goaltender out with a couple of minutes to go. JT Miller standing on the doorstep, able to bang home a rebound, get them within one. There's still a minute and 49 seconds remaining, and you thought, that's a lot of time. And the Canucks would keep their top guns out there. Brock Besser had a chance on the backhand directly out in front, but really was in too tight to get an awful lot on it. Uh, but Besser had a a decent night. That line had a pretty good night. We'll talk about them individually as we go here. I I just, I would have liked to have seen, and again, they got outplayed for long stretches of this game. That is going to be a concern. They did hold Tampa under 40 shots. The Bolts had 31 through 40 minutes, and so it looked like it was going to be another 40-shot night for Thatcher Demko. But uh, as you said, the Canucks took control. Tampa officially didn't have a shot on goal in the final 10 minutes of this hockey game, although... Anthony Sorelli could have made life a whole lot easier for the Bolts had he not hit the crossbar on that two-on-one. That would have sealed the deal for sure. But then the Canucks chipped away, took over, and again spent the bulk of the final 10 minutes in the offensive zone. Uh, They got the one, but they couldn't get the other one. And so, yeah, I mean, back-to-back losses now. uh, Still a two-and-two hockey club. That part of it is respectable. And we always said, right out of the hop, two against the Oilers, and then this five-game road trip, this was going to be a difficult start for the Vancouver Canucks. So at two-and-two, that's not the end of the world, especially against uh, with the context of what they did last year, throwing up all over themselves without a win in their first seven hockey games. But... Uh, I think for me, I I just look at some of the mistakes individually that led to Tampa goals and also uh, that second period. You know, the Canucks did well, incredible start, 
to erase the one-nothing deficit. They scored twice in the first minute and two seconds of the second period. Love the Brock Besser goal. Miller in on the forecheck. Besser shooting the puck and shooting a lot. I know you you made note of that on Twitter. Uh, we'll get to Brock. And then Tyler Myers, who is in the crosshairs of just about every Canuck fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this gets him back in the good books in any way because uh, he was full-on chaos giraffe in this hockey game uh, at both ends of the ice. But I, I didn't like the fact that the Canucks in the late stages of the second period, and that's where Tampa took over, they scored the two quick goals in a minute and nine seconds, the Canucks weren't able to wrestle momentum back. Like, it really felt, when Kucherov scored to make it 3-2, to two, and there's still three minutes to go, I thought, like, just get out of this period at that point. And they did ultimately, but it kind of felt like they were hanging on for, for dear life at that stretch of the hockey game. Yeah, I, I didn't mind the first 10 minutes of the second period, for sure. Uh, I thought, I thought okay, we're... We're going to see this team rally here and uh, and really take some of the Rick Tockett words, of course, coming out of Philadelphia to heart um, because I think they could have been a little bit disappointed with some aspects of the first period. In the end, uh, the first period was sort of their, their best period shots on goal-wise at the very least, but they seem to be themselves a little bit or uh, God knows what they are, actually. Let me, <laughs> let me rephrase that. They seem to be the team that they want to be in the opening 10 minutes of that second period, but then gradually Tampa just wrestled control back and uh, that Kucherov fellow that you mentioned is uh, is pretty good. And ultimately, they also skate away with a couple of power play goals on the night. Um, how are we feeling about <sighs> the penalty kill at this point? Yeah, Started the night 80%, and of course, it never resided in the 80% neighborhood at all last year. No. And I thought, you know, can they chip away? Sam Lafferty takes a boarding penalty early in the hockey game. He's trying to be physical. but And I saw a lot of people thought that was a soft call. I think three minutes into a hockey game, when you hit a guy three feet from the boards and he goes spilling, you're putting it in the hands of an official who's right there to make a judgment call. And I just think most refs early in a game are going to crack down and they're going to make that call and try and establish, you know, their say on the way the night is going to unfold. And so I don't mind Lafferty trying to be aggressive, but... I think you always have to be mindful when a guy is three feet from the boards and DeHaan kind of, you know, he stops up and he's bracing for for contact, but Lafferty just drills him and, you know, the Canucks didn't kill that one off. It was the heroic slash that uh, ultimately uh, wound up in the back of their net. That was the Nick Paul goal after the dreadful Tyler Myers giveaway. Like, that just cannot. Yeah. It cannot happen. And people with, you know, screen grabs of, nothing but open ice for him just to wind up and blast it the length of the ice on the penalty kill. And somehow he's trying to finesse a pass to a teammate that obviously gets intercepted easily gets intercepted. And so that was sort of uh, the night, the start of the night for Tyler Myers. He did score uh, his first goal in 43 games, but then on that third period penalty kill, Elias Pedersen along the side boards, Pia Suter's in the neighborhood as well. Like, what is Tyler Myers doing? You know, three guys flooding that side. And then to compound matters, he sort of topples over Elias Pedersen and takes both of them out of the play. And at that point, it's a two-on-one down low. And the Bolts uh, made no mistake. And that turned out to be the winner. So, yeah, it's been a difficult start to the season. It's been a tough road trip here for Tyler Myers. And uh, this, I know he did score, but uh, he also was directly responsible for a couple of goals in a one-goal loss. We've always said this about Tyler Myers, too, that his mistakes are loud. Yeah. You know, yep. you know, it, it's not necessarily horrific caved-in underlying stats either because they weren't tonight at all. Uh, in fact, he won the shot share battle um, at 5-on-5, five 5-3 five, five with him on the ice in favor of the Canucks. 
But man, he his decision making in critical moments. It costs the Canucks, like tangibly. Yep. And, and it's it's always been a frustration for me because coaches generally see young players make those sorts of mistakes and they don't end up in the back of the net, yet, this, yet a young player still gets punished. A veteran player like this makes a mistake like that and more often than not, it seems like it is being fished out of the, the back of the net and you just wonder how much longer can coaches look at that play and say, yeah, I'm okay with that guy not only every night, but every night playing kind of significant minutes for me. You know, it, it, where is the personal responsibility for a player like Tyler Myers? And and I think the Canucks are so thin on defense, they can't afford to enforce personal responsibility on the line right now. <laughs> well, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Right, uh, right. If, you take, if you were to take Tyler Myers out, and I see a lot of people screaming for him to be benched, guess what? You've got a right side that has Noah Juleson and Mark Friedman on it all of a sudden. Pick your poison. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, how are you feeling about the penalty kill? I guess in a one goal loss, they give up two power play goals and don't score any themselves. And ultimately that is the difference. And that takes me back in time to the last couple of seasons where, you know, you can get away giving up one power play goal, but you give up two on the night when you're not scoring, uh, you know, you're going to be in tough you, to, to, to spot anybody, but particularly Tampa two on the special teams and think that you're going to wrestle this one back. And I know that they were game and they tried right down to the final buzzer, but uh, that's digging themselves uh, a hole that they ultimately couldn't dig themselves out of. And so, yeah, I mean, it has been, you know, Edmonton scored a couple of power play goals the other night. This is two in four games now that they've given up two power play goals. And that's feeling a lot like last year where we've been told that this team is better and they've addressed all of this. And I know that Bluger hasn't played and McKayev hasn't played but still, um, you know, it's just, it's too tough a league if you're going about it that way. And, uh, you know, they take three penalties. Tampa takes uh, only one. And, and some people might quibble with that part of it. But uh, I didn't think the officials really uh, had a hand in the outcome of this hockey game. The Canucks have to do more to draw penalties. And I'm they so do have say. to be, they've got to be mindful of the number of penalties that they are taking here in the early going this season. Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't terribly uh, at fault in that regard, only get, surrendering the three. But when you know your PK is on the razor-thin edge here, uh, perhaps you got to be a little bit more mindful. But back to the penalties that they're getting called on the other team, I mean, did they give a damn? Yeah, they gave more of a damn here tonight than they did in Philadelphia, for sure. Yep. One of the best indicators of do you have your feet moving is are you getting penalties getting called against the other team? One tripping call. You know, you have to believe that if you are just coming at the other team in waves, you're getting interference calls on the other side, you're getting tripping and holding and slashing and hooking calls because they are chasing you. And it's not necessarily about speed. I think work ethic can can solicit those calls as well. And the Canucks just aren't getting that right now because it doesn't feel like they're moving their feet as much as they, they possibly could. Again, was it better or was better? And I think that showed up on the scoreboard too. But ultimately, um, maybe the wins and losses are, are being doled out based on work ethic here. And I think there's still room to move there for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, let's go back to that first goal of the game because we talked about the Myers turnover. And then Thatcher Demko, just like an incredible stop off Stamkos, moving to his right. And Stamkos has scored a bunch of his 500-plus goals in the National Hockey League from that spot, and a whole bunch against the Canucks, in fact, had the hat-trick the last time uh, that he saw the Vancouver Canucks. 
Uh, Demko didn't see the Bolts last year. He was injured in the two games that uh, Tampa and the Canucks played. But uh, Thatcher Demko makes this incredible save, and you're thinking, like, he's just bailed his team out. But, you know, then the Canucks can't, in turn, bail their goaltender out there. It's a bit of a a yard sale, and finally Nick Paul finds the loose puck, and in it goes, and, you know, the Canucks are, are down. Now, it wasn't the first couple of minutes, but this is three straight games now that they have given up the first goal. So that's something to be mindful of as well. Three of the four games after opening the scoring on opening night, uh, they have trailed. And again, we talk about chasing games and, and trying to play catch up. It's difficult, especially when you don't have the last change and the matchups and all those types of things. But, uh, you know, Thatcher Demko serving notice relatively early in this hockey game that once again, into it and on the top of his game. And he has been really, really good in his three starts so far this season. It's almost unfair to him that uh, he's now got a record of of one and two, but uh, certainly doing his part to give the Canucks opportunities to win hockey games. And uh, that save off Stamkos was uh, something else. And we saw a bunch of those the other night against Philadelphia. So, you know, early season, but that is one of the takeaways right now is that Thatcher Demko, when you think of the, the tough start that he had individually in the team a year ago, uh, he has made good on his vow to be ready uh, to cut right out of the gates here this season. Yeah, I I think that this is a very different game if it's just average goaltending. Um, you know, he, he ultimately lets in four goals, but it's one of those games where the goaltender lets in four and you still think he was excellent tonight uh, because it could have been a lot uglier, a lot sooner for the Vancouver Canucks, but he continues to make big, big saves and... Um, his positioning is, is probably hiding some big saves. It would be big saves for other other goalies as well. He's just uh, he's looking like himself, and that's the, the most heartening thing for a Vancouver Canucks fan right now. You've just got to hope that the team gets better in front of him because um, he can't do this forever. He can't stop forty shots forever, and they didn't quite get the forty, but. You know, let let's let's round up here just a little bit because the Canucks, yeah, even thirty five shots in this league is is too good. There's too much skill in the league nowadays. You give a team thirty five shots every night, and it feels like that's every night right now. They're going to score three to four goals, and and that just puts you in an awkward position. Rink White Vancouver is a presentation of Bodog. Tell us a little bit about Bodog, Blake. Well, you know, I could hear we off the air. We're talking with uh, our assistant producer here tonight, uh, Trevor Martins, who's been um, relegated to assistant producer for tonight's <laughs> Rink White with Mike Rogerson um, sitting alongside. So I, I checked the out of town score, but Calgary won. That's mm. that's why the chest was out a little bit. So let's go with the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow night. Over the Calgary Flames. Ah, bring them back down to earth. Plus 125, and that does some uh, help for the Canucks, of course, within the Pacific Division. Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. Canucks fall 4-3 in Tampa. As we said, they're now a 2-2 two two hockey club. They'll see old friend Oliver Ekman Larson and the Florida Panthers on Saturday down in Sunrise. So we've talked about special teams, not good enough for the Canucks, but uh, they do score three goals, I suppose, at even strike. I mean, the, the Miller goal at the end is six on five, but uh, uh, just go back to the, the start of the second period because, uh, again, they fall behind. I thought they righted the ship over the second half of the first period, and they, they could feel decent about the effort, but they're down a goal, and I just loved everything about the Brock Besser goal, uh, the way they get the puck in deep, Miller chases it down, JT Miller uh, continuing to have a strong start to the season, and he's on the score. I mean, he's in on two of the three goals here tonight. Like, he's not dominating these hockey games, but uh, he's certainly holding his end of the bargain 
Uh, and I thought that line was really good. Uh, I know they were out there for the Kucherov goal late in the second period, and Miller kind of up high, almost a, a screen, Hironik in front of the net as well. But but back to the Besser goal, because Miller gets in and such a bang-bang play, and Brock Besser, four games into the season, Blake, up to five goals. This is a guy that didn't score his first goal until the 12th game of the season last year, and we know he had four on opening night, but I, I just like the fact that Brock is back to shooting the puck. I mean, that's what he is. He's a volume shooter when he's on his game, four shots on goal, six attempts. And we have now seen him score a couple of those old style Brock Besser goals. He's just finding the, the soft spots. Uh, you know, did the antenna go away for a couple of years for, for Brock Besser is to put himself in great position? Because, yeah, were we concerned about the release speed? Yes, we were. Were we concerned about shot velocity? Yeah, we were. But overall, we were also just concerned, why aren't you getting the shots away? Why aren't you even getting the opportunities to attempt shots? Well, those are certainly back in spades uh, this year. Uh, obviously, opening night goes without saying, but you know, even a night like tonight, he easily could have had two. He easily could have had two, and maybe a backhander uh, in the final minute would have would have been the icing on the cake there for for uh, Brock Besser. But all the signs are there that this is a goal scorer again, and I don't know that the wrist and the shot velocity is ever going to go to what we thought he was going to be, but it's pretty good. It's certainly serviceable right now. And if you keep putting yourselves in the, in, in that right position, um, it's certainly good enough that he's going to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer this year. You have to think. Yeah. And, and, and there's just a, there's a confidence that, you know, he's not overhandling the puck. I think uh, a couple of last years, you know, just hesitating. You do that in this league, it's death. And so puck on your stick, get rid of it. And he seems to have found that velocity again. So good for him. He's up to five on the season, four games in. And it's funny. And I know he's talked about this in the past, but there is something about Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay with Brock Besser. He won an NCAA championship there with Troy Stetcher in the University of North Dakota. He was the all-star and the darling of that all-star weekend uh, when he was the MVP in that building as well. And I do think, like, I think that there are good vibes. Uh, I'd have to check, but I know early in his career, uh, he always was given the same stall in the visitor's locker room uh, going back to that NCAA championship. Like that was just his territory and he was in the zone whenever he was uh, in that visitor's locker room. And so it's probably, I mean, it's the same training staff with Patty O'Neill and, and Red Hamilton. So they know that and they probably continue to set that up. Whatever the case, just something about that building and a little bit of Florida sunshine uh, seems to bring out the best in Brock Brock Besser, Besser and Jason Magna. Didn't Magna have a great big night here in uh, <laughs> a few years back at two goal out? If they had only had Magna tonight. I just remember the first time I ever saw the Canucks play in that building, it was a two-all tie late in the second period. Ended up being 9-2 to for Tampa. They just ran away and hid on the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, not the case in this one. Nope. In fact, uh, it was the Canucks that uh, tried to mount the comeback. Uh, again, Tampa a crossbar away from sealing this deal and putting it out of reach. But, hey, you got to put the puck in. The crossbars don't count. And uh, ultimately, that allowed the Canucks to continue to press. And they got one. But uh, they couldn't get the other one they needed to force overtime. So 4-3 is the final. The Vancouver Canucks fall to the Tampa Lightning. I want to get into Elias Pettersson, who I just don't think looks quite right. And we know that he missed practice yesterday. He took the friendly fire or not-so-friendly fire from Tyler Myers the other night in Philadelphia. I say that. He ends up with a couple of assists on three goals. So you know His, the, his underlying stats are great, too. Yeah. So, But I, I get what you're saying, though. We'll get to that in a second. But I uh, just want to get in a mention for uh, the fine folks at Applewood. Yeah, Applewood Auto Group has some fabulous deals right now with uh, 
interest rates, folks, that uh, make you think you're in an alternate universe. How about leasing the Infinity QX50 from 3.49%? Yep, that's true. Or the QX60 from 2.99%. In today's economy, you say, yes, in today's economy. It's all good at Applewood. Tampa 4, the Vancouver Connects 3. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. We've talked about some of the team performances, or at least at the team level in this one. We were talking about Brock Besser. Let's get into a few other individuals as the Canucks fall 4-3 in Tampa. And I was talking about Elias Pettersson. You you look at the night, 18 minutes and 43 seconds, he plays almost nine minutes of the third period when they're down and trailing. And that's not a surprise that you would want to lean on EP40 in that situation. He had one of his worst games in recent memory in Philadelphia the other night, and he took that Tyler Myers shot to the leg in the third and skipped practice on Wednesday. So, you know, there was some question about would he pay, play, and Rick Tockett had said after an optional morning skate, yeah, he'll he'll be in there. And he was, but I don't know, just to the eye right now, you know, four games into this thing, and I know he had four points on opening night, and he had two in this one. Like, the points are there. That's how talented he is. But we're just not seeing the PD Magic Blake. Like at least I'm not. Like to my eye, as I watch these games closely, you know the those moments that make you just sit up and take notice and think, like, is the rest of the league watching this because this is how good this guy is? I'm not seeing that from Elias Pettersson in the early going, and maybe that's a you know a, a full compliment to this guy again that he's able to rack up the points the way that he does. But it just feels like we haven't seen that extra gear from this guy yet. I'll be honest here. I I was being interrupted over the first 40 minutes of this hockey game. So I I was sort of, uh, you know, getting kids some uh, meals for a second. I get a little bit distracted. And I began to question, did I miss Elias Pettersson leaving the hockey game? I had to, I had to go <laughs> and investigate. Is he still getting his regular sh- Yeah, all that's, all that's happening. I thought he got better in the third, and I thought ultimately um, the rush that resulted in the JT Miller goal, I think really put Tampa on its heels. He came into the offensive zone with a full head of steam and nearly dangled his way and got a shot away in the, uh, the slot area. That whistles wide, and then ultimately it works its way back around to, to Miller, who who bats it in. But it, it took me a while to sort of find Elias Pettersson in this game, and and this is what the greats do on their subpar nights; they get two points. Um, I, I wonder if now this that rush puts what I'm about to say uh, maybe on the back burner a little bit. I did wonder. If the block shot, maybe he just, maybe there was some bruising there and it was pretty tender and he couldn't quite skate at 100%. Um, 
I would suspect that if there if that was the case, that that would be in the rearview mirror for the next game. I'm going to wait till next game before I sort of form any full opinions on that. But a better third period. But overall, it was it was a quieter night that that isn't reflected in the stats. I mean, again, he his underlying numbers are all very good, and he ends up with two points. But it it, it wasn't like opening night. Opening night, he was just everywhere. He was a menace. He was a he was a hard trophy candidate. And I think uh, Canucks fans would love to see that here to to salvage the end of this road trip. Yeah, I mean the you know seventy one point four percent Corsi. Uh, the shots were eight to three with him on the ice at even strength. He was double shifting with about three minutes to go. He was out there with Hoaglander and and Sam Lafferty. So uh, you're right. I I thought his third period, although he had a chance midway through the third, puck came to him in the slot for a one-timer and he fanned on it. And I just thought, man, like that sort of feeds into this notion that it's just not there for him right here, right now. Uh, I'm not worried about him, but it sort of does stand out when you don't see the electric Elias Pettersson because we've just come become accustomed to that. And yet, as I said, the points are following him around. Now, in the same breath, and this is kind of wild to me because the Corsi King on the night for the Vancouver Canucks was Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, I saw that. The shots were 10 to 1 for the Canucks at even strength with Kuzmenko on the ice. Guess what? Andre Kuzmenko is wearing the Louis crown tonight. He had a completely blank stat line. Not a single shot attempt, not a hit, not a takeaway, not a block shot, doesn't take face-offs, no giveaways, nothing. It is a completely blank stat line in 16 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time for Andre Kuzmenko. Here's another stat for you. He's fifth on the team and expected goals for tonight. He's tops... The lowest expected goals against his expected goals against are point zero six. So, according to that, you know when he's on the ice, they're not getting to dangerous areas. They're not threatening in any way. Is it fair that Andre Kuzmenko is maybe getting the treatment that he is? What was his final ice time in the, in the hockey game? Sixteen uh, seventeen. 60, so it's not that's in his wheelhouse. That's relatively normal wheelhouse. Okay. Again, there wasn't much. Yeah, there wasn't much power play time. The funny thing is, I can see and hear people. I can't see them, but I can hear them screaming. <laughs> you know, regression. I told you so. It would, no, the regression was the shooting percentage. He didn't have a shot attempt. Like yeah. that doesn't impact his regression at all. He does have just one goal through four games, so you know that is something to monitor. And the one goal is a deflection in Edmonton the other night. Only five shots on goal through four games as well, but we know that he's not a volume shooter where a guy like Brock Besser is. So uh, Kuzmenko, you know, hasn't roared out of the gates. He spent most of the night in the offensive zone. It's just odd that that doesn't correlate with him, you know, getting at least a scoring chance here or there or making something happen uh, offensively. But but the coaching staff can't be upset with a guy who uh, spends basically his entire night, uh, you know, as far away from his own net as possible for a guy who at times people have wondered a little bit about his defensive play and and is he a little too lackadaisical in his own zone. He wasn't in his own zone in this hockey game. And so uh, you have to see that as a positive at the very least. Is, is And I don't mean to pile on because I don't even know that this is necessarily true. So let me ask the open question. Is this a, is this a Garland effect? We've said before that Connor Garland is a little bit unpredictable as a player, tougher to play with. And Carter Garland's work ethic gets you the puck in the offensive zone. I think Carter Garland can absolutely help that. And, that, and that's maybe why Carter Garland, for his entire career, has always been a stats darling. Getting to the offensive zone has never been an issue for Carter Garland's line mates, no matter whom they have been. 
but actually creating magic while there has not necessarily been as easy. I, I wonder if that's playing a role there just a little bit. If, you know, when Ilya Mikheyev comes back, if he's on that line, if, if things just go a little bit more according to Hoyle. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that the empty stat line for Kuzmenko is almost an anomaly because Connor Garland had two shots and five attempts, and Elias mm-hmm. Pedersen had three shots and five attempts himself. So 10 shot attempts uh, for members of that line. It's just the fact that not one of them came off the stick of Andre Kuzmenko. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like that line is in total lockstep right now. And again, I think if Elias Pedersen is at the very top of his game, He's probably elevating both of his wingers, uh, and that just hasn't fully happened for him, uh, at least just yet. But we'll see. And it was interesting because, you know, the other night in Philadelphia, they're down 2 nothing in the third, and we saw that Rick Tockett really shortened his bench, and there were a number of guys that felt the effects of that. Uh, the coach was a little more liberal with his ice time. Phil Giuseppe didn't see a ton of third-period ice time. He got taken off that line with Miller and Besser, but... You know, there were late shifts. We talked about the late shifts for guys like Hoaglander and Lafferty. Uh, Anthony Bovillier and Dakota Joshua saw third period shifts that really they didn't see the other night in Philadelphia. Uh, look, I, I, I was critical of Bovillier through three games, and the bar is awfully low here because he still doesn't have any points. I thought he was more invested in this game tonight, and he should be. I mean, he's a pro, and, and he should look in the mirror after three games and, you know, no points, three shots on goal, not much happening. Uh, but it has been awfully quiet for that line through four games. It's not just Bavillier, uh, but I expect more out of Bavillier. It's contract year for him. Like I, I kind of thought that that would have been enough motivation for him try to to try to make some things happen in the early going. But that line with Pia Suter and and Dakota Joshua, certainly nothing happening offensively for those guys. I know Joshua scored the eighth goal in the eight one romp on opening night, but uh, again, I I just I noticed them at times where. I certainly didn't the other night in Philadelphia. Heard his name a bunch more, but I mean, the stats still, he's pretty caved in. Shot shares 10-2 against uh, with him on the ice. So better, maybe. Maybe there's a foothold there, but um, still waiting for that streakiness to to begin for this 23-24 season. Do you want to talk about Mark Friedman, who makes his Vancouver Mm -hmm. Canuck debut after one practice a day after being acquired from the Pittsburgh Penguins? So we'll certainly get to that. We've still got our three-star selection of this hockey game and the stat that stands out. So a lot still to chew on. But before we do that, you were talking about uh, Canucks getting caved in. If you don't want to get caved in in your battle with the bank, if you're in the market uh, for a new house or looking to renew your mortgage, uh, Jason Hominick is the guy to touch base with. Or maybe extract some equity out of your house. Whatever the scenario is, uh, these are confusing times. Uh, hearing all this sort of uh, prediction because uh, there could be an interest rate announcement coming up in a week's time. If you're anywhere near the end, and I'm talking in the final few months of your mortgage, reach out to Jason Hominick. You'll speak to him at jason.mortgage and get a game plan for what lies ahead. Jason.mortgage. Tampa 4, Vancouver 3 is the final score. The final shots on goal were 35-29 in favor of the Lightning. Second period, pretty one-sided. The shots there were 18-7, and he scratched a little deeper. The shot attempts were 16-4. The actual uh, shots at even strength were 7-2, so... uh, Or the high dangers, rather, were 7-2 in that second period. Uh, And so it was. uh, You know, it felt like the ice was tilted for a long while there, but uh, the Canucks get out of that second period down 3-2. It's a one-goal hockey game at that point. 
Uh, they each score in the third. So 4-3 is the final. Tampa over the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks uh, three games through this five-game road trip that'll take them to Florida on Saturday and Nashville to wrap things up next Tuesday. 4-3, the final. The Bolts over the Canucks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Next ball, 4-3 in Tampa, Rinkwide Vancouver. Justin Blake with you here. But let's get into the three stars, our three stars, the Rinkwide Vancouver three stars, because for the second straight game, Blake, and again, I don't want to go deep on this, but what is the point of the three star selection in house if not just. Uh, you know, to to bang the homer drum, but, you know, Thacker Demko didn't figure in the stars in Philly the other night with his 40 saves, and here tonight, a clean sweep for the the Bolts, and the three stars in-house selected by the Tampa media. Uh, They were Kucherov, Paul, and Mikey Esamon, who scored a nice goal, and it was a big goal because it tied that game and it set the stage for Kucherov then to to go to work. But when we look at the rink-wide Vancouver three stars, these are the real three stars, uh, and no issue with Kucherov. He was the first star. He scores twice. Uh, he looked dangerous. So no issue there. But I'm going to give a nod to JT Miller. I mean, he scores the goal late to get the connection within one. He makes the play on the Besser goal as well in the fourth check. So a, a two-point night for JT Miller, who, you know, logging big minutes, taking on matchup assignments and all those types of things, and is more than holding his own. So I've got Miller as the second star of this game. And I thought Nick Paul was terrific. I think uh, he was a nice pickup for the Tampa Lightning when they made the trade to get him. He scores his third of the season to open the scoring halfway through the first period on the power play. And then he's the guy that spots Kucherov on that wide side on what turned out to be the winner on the power play. So Nick Paul with a couple of points in this hockey game. I've got Kucherov, Miller, and Paul as my three stars, the rink-wide three stars of this hockey game. Taking a look at uh, some of the feedback uh, as we asked for it, what was your main takeaway from the Bolts 4-3 win? Uh, you know, a lot of people piling on the, the main storylines that we've already discussed. Uh, Tyler Myers taking a lot of hits uh, in the inbox. Uh, Bart on Twitter Myers scored a goal. It didn't, still didn't make up for his bizarre mistakes. Uh, Ken saying Petey's at 65% and he still gets two points. Others worried that he's uh, injured as well. And uh, Beauvillier uh, also uh, taking some uh, brunt here. Uh, Lyle says, too many passengers. Beauvillier needs to go with Garland to somewhere else. And then there's this one from Ron. The Canucks are winless in games in which the opposing goaltender save percentage is better than 750. And <laughs> we might be focusing too much on the Edmonton Oilers, but they make up half the sample size at this point <laughs> with the two games. So uh, it's interesting to note they got beaten pretty badly by the Flyers themselves. So there's that little bit to uh, to make yourself sleep better tonight, Canucks fans. The Flyers beat up the Oilers 4-1. to one, And... You know, you start to wonder at this point, and we'll give it a few more games here, but the opening night barrage, that seems like the outlier um, because of the goaltending being as it was for the Oilers. In games where the goaltending has been at least averaged by the opposition, they're merely one and two. It's a little bit concerning here if the Canucks are going to have to get really crappy goaltending at the other end of the ice in, for, in, in order for them to, to win hockey games. So we'll see how they finish up, but 
um, you know, the they're not all going to be like opening night. I think they've learned that lesson here pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know what will happen on Saturday, but they could very well see Sergei Bobrovsky uh, down in South Florida. We know what he did in the playoffs last year. Florida was a 3-1 winner over Toronto. So the Panthers, they raised their Eastern Conference Championship banner. That was their home opener. And they beat Toronto, a good Toronto team, by a score of 3-1. So Florida will be feeling pretty good about itself as uh, it awaits the arrival of the Canucks on Saturday. We spent a lot of time the other night, obviously, because the Canucks got shut out by Philadelphia. And we kind of wrote off the Flyers. We were like, you know, this isn't a... Nobody's expecting... Flyers beat Edmonton 4-1. So they knock off the Canucks and they follow that up with a 4-1. They hold the Oilers to one. And they blank the Canucks, so pretty good week for for Torts and his Philadelphia Flyers. It's unbelievable, and uh, you know, early on October this is why I love October hockey. Um, a lot of mistakes are made. Uh, it's usually fairly high scoring. I mean, four three is kind of the average. It feels like um, you never know, but you just don't want to put yourself in a hole. That's been the lesson for the Canucks. It's wild. It's woolly. Try to keep your head above water, and the systems generally take hold in November. So it's not surprising to me that. There's some uh, loose play here under Rick Toggett because it's October. They just have not had enough time together on the ice. But if you can remain in it and don't dig yourself an 0-5-2 hole, the systems usually do get better in November. But the Canucks have to try to at least go 500 the rest of the way on this road trip. Well, we do a stat that stands out uh, each and every episode of Rinkwide Vancouver. And tonight it is the fact that this Tampa team went two for three with a power play. And for all the talk in the offseason and the uh, signings and the adjustments and everything else, this penalty kill is, uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, you know, it, it's getting scrutiny now. Now, Ilya Mikheyev continues to skate. He's on this road trip. We were told that he may be a possibility at some point along the way. They're three games into a five-game trip, so I, I do wonder if Mikheyev's an option for Saturday. Uh, if not then, perhaps Nashville. Teddy Bluger, not likely, but you know, it, it is nice to know at least that there are reinforcements waiting in the wings, and that is a specialty of both of those guys. So certainly when they get the green light, uh, not only will they join the lineup, but I think they'll get plugged right into the penalty kill, and we'll see what kind of difference they can make there. Uh, we haven't had a chance yet to talk about Mark Friedman, who made his debut, and what a whirlwind 48 hours for him, getting trade and a sort of second chance, or maybe a third chance, because he was drafted by Philadelphia and then claimed by Pittsburgh, but dealt to the Canucks the other day in the trade for Jack Rathbone. Makes his Canuck debut here with one practice under his belt. 14 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. Gets into the scrap. Gave up uh, certainly some size and weight to Tanner Janot. Took that last shot to the back of the helmet and, and had to leave the game briefly, but may have just been equipment because it uh, didn't seem like he missed... Uh, a shift. He was back on the bench and, and stayed in this hockey game. Uh, we talked about underlying numbers, though. Not pretty for Mark Friedman as the Canucks again continue. You know, this is eight defensemen now that they've used through four hockey games. And if they were happy with the six that they had started the season with, they probably wouldn't be at eight defensemen. But Mark Friedman gets plugged in there. The shots at even were eight nothing in Tampa's favor with Friedman on the ice. So a bit of an inauspicious debut for a guy getting thrown into it by the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I, it's a peculiar one because Corsi-wise, the shot attempt-wise, it was only 10-8. But uh, I'm going to guess those are better opportunities, the closer opportunities in that eight of the 10 shot attempts by the Bolts actually end up facing uh, Thatcher Demko. So 
not ideal. Um, we we said it from the mountaintops going into the season. Canuck defense is the concern. Canuck defense remains a concern, and this is with all hands on deck. Like there is no reinforcement coming around the corner. You know they they they've got to figure this out within the group they've got, or Patrick Alvine has to pull off uh, a, a trade of some consequence to to change the fortunes of this team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch what happens around the National Hockey League. I know that uh, there's been some smoke around Columbus, and they're supposed to get Zach Wierenski back, and that's going to facilitate a, a roster move by uh, the Blue Jackets. They've got uh, you know some extra defensemen, uh, and we'll see if one of those is of any interest to the Vancouver Canucks. But it's funny, and I, and I think rink-wide listeners are what you would consider fairly hardcore Hockey fans and Canuck fans. And smart. Super smart, too. Right. So I, I, I'm not sure I'm speaking to them, but I, I, I keep getting people in my mentions that are screaming for Cole McWard, and that's fine. I mean, scream for Cole McWard. The guy's got five games of NHL experience, but he's not on the roster. And there are roster limitations. There are salary cap implications. He's not on this trip. So the likelihood of the Canucks putting a call into the farm for Cole McWard at this early stage of the season... Uh, probably going to go unheated. I think that they're going to try to get by with the guys that they've got, uh, but it'll be interesting because I don't think that, you know, good for Friedman for, you know, taking on a, a customer, a tough customer like Tanner Janot, and that'll certainly earn him some praise in Rick Tockett's books, but if he's going to get outshot or they're going to get outshot 8 nothing when he's on the ice, you know, is he an upgrade on Noah Juleson? And it seems like those two guys are the two guys that are battling for that third spot on the right side. Again, I'm not going to write the book on uh, Mark Friedman as a Vancouver Canuck based on one night with one practice, but he is going to have to find a way if he's in there to spend less time defending and and more time, you know, getting the puck out of his own end and moving it to the attack. I mean, if we're going to take them at their word, the Canucks, they said that he was a game time decision because they, you know, they were wanting to make sure that he was right fairly ironclad with the systems. I mean, if they were that. 50-50 on whether or not he knew the systems. Let's let's hope with a little bit more knowledge of what Rick Tockett is wanting of uh, Mark Friedman, maybe those numbers will settle down in games two, three, and four. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that was that was thrown into the fire for Friedman, and uh, he felt some singe, I think, uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of all opponents, uh, we know the the high octane offense that Tampa has, and they got four. Uh, here in this hockey game, two of them coming on the power play. So, yeah, I mean, that's a tough assignment for anybody, let alone a guy that, uh, you know, hasn't played in the NHL this season, gets traded, tries to yeah. make his way to a new team and, and figure out things. So hopefully he can settle down and, and settle in, and we'll see if he's in the lineup on Saturday uh, against the Florida Panthers. We know that Oliver ekman Larson will be. He scored one of the three Florida goals. They're using him a ton in the early going, which to me is one of the stories around the National Hockey League. And I'll admit, I had some doubts about what was left in the tank for OEL after the season that he had last year on the buyout. Uh, but he's off to uh, an impressive start. Plays almost 24 minutes in the win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was up over 26 in one of the early games uh, for Florida. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll look at that as a revenge game, a money on the board kind of game. I don't think he's going to take over a hockey game, and I'm sure that he has that in his arsenal at this stage of his career. But uh, you know that uh, there's some professional pride at stake, and the Canucks didn't think that he could help them. Florida does, and Florida's without uh, Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad, and so uh, that's part of the reason that uh, OEL's getting the ice time that he is. But uh, it'll be fun to uh, 
to see him go up against his former team on Saturday. He wasn't the high ice time guy, though. It was uh, it was Gustav Forsling. Yeah, so <laughs> if you want your storylines, so yeah, yes, there you yeah, go. there you go. Yeah. Canucks all over the Panthers. That's uh, the Canucks come up a goal short in Tampa. Credit uh, a much better effort than in Philadelphia, but uh, at the end of the night, it is a bottom line business, and the Canucks uh, only scored three. Well. Given up four, so uh, no points for the Vancouver Canucks, who are now two and two, four games into this season. Uh, quick flight to Sunrise, or at least for Lauderdale, and they'll get ready to take on the Panthers on Saturday. And we'll be back with another edition of Rink Wide Then. As always, Rink Wide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. It was Brock Besser, it was Tyler Myers, it was JT Miller, the goal scorers for the Vancouver Canucks, and Thatcher Demko, again, doing his best to grind out a result for this Vancouver Hockey Club. He stops 31 of the 35 shots that he faced on the night. For Blake, this is Jeff. The final score one more time. It was Tampa 4, Vancouver 3. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Required Vancouver.